Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of Share a Slice with Sean. This week, we've got Tim Chismar on the line from California. But first, I'd like to tell you about the new Facebook page the show has. If you just search for Share a Slice with Sean over at Facebook, you can get to that page. And if you like it, it would be fantastic. Also, remember that you can leave a rating or a review over at iTunes. If you do that, that will increase the visibility of the show. Um, if it's a positive review, more people might actually listen to the show. That that would be fantastic. I truly would appreciate that. Uh, also, remember, you can follow the show at Slices Podcast over at Twitter. And, uh, of course, Android users can pick it up at Stitcher and a number of other places. Well, with all that plugging aside, let's get right to the show now. So today on Share Slice with Sean, I want to welcome Tim Chismar, and he's uh, coming to me on the phone all the way from L.A. Hey there. I guess I discovered you through Gin and Tonic and also through Corpsey because there was an interview that was done at a, a nude comedy show. I guess let's get started with that. T- tell me a little bit about the comedy shows that you do and, uh, you know, what what's involved with those in, in L.A. Sure. Yeah, I've always been an outspoken nudist for a long, long time. I was even born naked. How about that? And uh, so, yeah, you know, a long time ago, I thought about, um, you know, I wanted to do this this tour where the comedians were naked and the audience was naked um, because there have been naked comedy shows before, but they did not require that the audience be naked. And I feel like that's kind of like making us the, the butt of the joke. So people can come in like, oh, there they are. There's the weirdos. There's the whatever. And I'd rather it be more like, Rocky Horror Picture Show in that everybody is naked. So it's not like, oh, the weirdos. It's like, you're one of us tonight. And it, it teaches them that, um, you know, all bodies are okay and that you don't have to be perfect and that nobody is. And so uh, we've been doing those shows for, gosh, um, four years, five years. And uh, it's grown to the point where I just find a deal with a TV network. And uh, they have me in a holding pattern. So that's why this year, Alan Levin over at Two Roads Theater, um, I helped him get started with his own shows. And my shows were sponsored by Anner, by the way, the American Association for Nude Recreation. We had lots of nudist groups and rights groups involved in my shows. And I've, I've helped to get this other group started with their show. So mine was called Nudist Comedy. And uh, this new group is Nude Comedy L.A., and I have helped him get started, and he's been doing, um, he's had two weekends of shows so far, and because uh, I'm in a holding pattern. I, I sold the idea to a TV network, and they won't let me touch it um, for the rest of this year uh, because it could potentially become a TV show. So in the absence of that, I'm <clears throat> letting my fans know about these other shows, and he has nude plays, he has nude open mics, he's having naked karaoke, so I feel like I've really um, created something that has grown, and just so you know, we've been on major radio stations. We've been on uh, doing nude comedy shows at colleges. We've done uh, private nudist resorts. We've done non-landed clubs. I mean, we're all over the place, so it's a blast. I mean, it, once everybody's naked in the room, it kind of normalizes things. You might feel kind of funny or cold at first, but after a while, it becomes 
I mean, you're just sitting there probably, and you're thinking, okay, is this sure. person in the stage we, funny or what? We've had we've had reporters come out from Vice Magazine or the Jewish Journal or Playboy, and they've done write-ups about our shows and how, you know, the person writing it's like, oh, I'm I'm you know concerned about acne on my back or you know whatever it is, and then once they get there, they realize nobody cares, nobody cares what you what you look like. I had a little person friend that I took to a nudist resort, and uh, she she wrote this really humorous article that you can find in the in the extras on nudecomedyla.com and uh, she's a little person so she's like you know a dwarf little little and uh and she's used to people always staring at her and uh she went to the student's resort and she kept looking for the pervert and then she realized humorously enough that she was the pervert that she was the one checking out penises and uh and so she wrote this article about that about how like you know she was she was the one and uh yeah, I, I feel like it's a good thing for everybody. I, I feel like um, we're we're too overly concerned about uh, nudity as it relates to sexuality, and they're two very separate things. It's, you know, uh, I've been involved in world naked bike rides and nude runs and all kinds of naked events. I was a nude model for art classes when I was in college, and you know, it just I found that when I was posing naked, the people who were drawing me were way more embarrassed than I was. So, um, yeah. Anyway. It's something I'm, I'm totally into. For a while there, I, I considered myself a Wiccan. That's kind of like a, I guess, a, a witch or a pagan or something. I'm sure you probably encountered those folks uh, in the West mm-hmm. Coast. And uh, we went to a couple of pagan outdoors camping kind of thing. They were like festivals. Clothing was purely uh, optional. And uh, so after a while, you just walk around, and it's it's very liberating. I mean, uh, I did the whole thing. I mean, I, I don't want to put too many pictures in people's heads in case they're not interested, but, I mean, I did the whole thing, you know, dancing around the bonfire, and it was liberating. The I guess the only thing that comes from that is that once you're in such a camp, you realize that it's, it's not a sexual thing, but it can be a very practical thing. Like, uh, for instance, we swam in a lake, and uh, there were some very aggressive fish that uh, mm-hmm. we're nibbling at our, at our naughties. You know, it's interesting you mentioned about the practical thing. It, anybody who has swam in the water and then got out with, um, you know, with a swimsuit on, you notice that you dry up and then you've got this wet clothes hanging off you for hours versus if you swim naked and you hop out, you dry a lot faster. And it's it's just once you've swam naked in, in pools and lakes and whatever, you, you never want to go back to, um, to having this wet, this wet cloth hanging on you. It's just it's such an annoyance. Uh, this brings me, I guess, to a project you were working on. I noticed that um, Gin and Tonic um, did a, a short promo video for it. It's called Bear With Us. Is that, uh, mm-hmm. is that still being worked on? No. I, um, here's, here's what happened. I, um, I actually did a survey of about 700 nudists, and I also was working with a lot of nudist organizations and clubs. I wanted to make sure that I found out exactly what they wanted to see in a nudist comedy, because there have been lots of nudist comedies that were made, but then it disappoints the audience, such as uh, Act, uh, Act Naturally was one that um, was supposedly you know made for nudists, but if you watch it, it has less nudity than movies that aren't supposed to be nudist-friendly. So it was more like Austin Powers, where they had things in front of genitals, and it was just kind of lame. And uh, Maslin Beach uh, was a movie that was shot completely in the nude, on a beach, but the comedy wasn't there. It was a little week of a storyline. So I wanted to do something that came from the heart of nudist comedy and involved real nudists and real nudity. And it was just wacky and silly and fun. And 
So I did the survey, got all the results back, went after the things they wanted, touched up the screenplay to make sure it represented exactly what these people said they wanted. And then when we launched it, nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. And uh, it's frustrating, you know, because I put a lot of effort and time and, and I even scaled it back to as cheap as we could possibly shoot a full length feature. It was 40000 bucks. And uh, and even when it became obvious that the nudists weren't contributing towards it, I went after the nudist groups and I and I told them we're not even looking to sell this because of distribution issues with nudity. We are looking to give it away. So, like for example, if a nudist rights group wanted to you know fork out the money to shoot it, we would turn it over to them, and then they can you know sell it in perpetuity and uh, do whatever the hell they want with it. But no, the long and the short of it was we didn't have the money, yeah. and uh, nobody nobody came through for it, and so the project's dead. I, I'm interested in, I, I did a little uh, research into some of your previous work, some of the stuff that, you know, did get actually done. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them is called Naked Alien Massacre, and I think that fits into the sort of nudist uh, and naked theme as well. That was a movie that you did, uh, I don't have the date in front of me, but it was actually oh. produced. A few years back, yeah. Um, I've done a lot of horror flicks. Uh, I worked with Creep Creeperson on about five, six, seven, about seven movies. And then I, uh, I branched off, and I've worked with Full Moon. I've worked with Asylum. I've worked with Trauma. Uh, Lloyd Coffin, a bunch of those guys are, are friends of mine. For my writing, Clive Barker gave me a quote, and so did Kevin Smith. And, yeah, I, I'm, I've written a bunch of books and sold a lot of screenplays and worked on a lot of movies. And right now... We are working on one called Church, which is a combination of vampires and demons and angels and biker gangs and pro wrestlers, and it's pretty outrageous and over the top. But yeah, as far as Naked Alien Massacre goes, it was um, aliens in the woods around a nudist resort. It was fun. It was a, it was a blast. And I just finished um, the my second Killjoy movie, which... If you know Full Moon, they're the guys that did Puppet Master. Well, they have a, a series of evil killer clown movies called Killjoy. And I was in one called Killjoy Goes to Hell. And then the director, John Lachago, liked me so much that he increased my character and pushed me up to the top. And now I was one of the stars of the one that just shot a few months ago called Killjoy Psycho Circus. So that'll be coming out to uh, Redbox and uh, Hulu and whatever. So that's... um. Yeah, man, I, I dig that stuff. I really do. I, I grew up into the uh, the horror stuff. Whereas normal kids had uh, their their parents playing Disney films for them, my mother was playing like cannibal movies and zombie movies for me. So uh, yeah, it just comes natural the uh, the horror stuff. So and I mean, based on what I can see, there's a, there's a really underlying there's an underline of a fun underneath these horror films. It's not, you know, I, I'm not seeing horror here like The Ring or something like hard. This is like fun horror films. You have like zombies and vampires yeah, and, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. You know, comic book kind of stuff. Oh, totally. Oh, completely. We say comic book. Absolutely. I write for First Comics News and Icons of Fright and Fangoria, and I'm on panels at Comic-Cons all the time. I love... I love that kind of stuff, and I, I try to follow along the lines of, I, I tell people the one we're doing right now uh, follows Preacher, Hellboy, Constantine, The Crow. Uh, that's that's the kind of sensibility I, I want as we're dealing with the devil and hell and angels, and it's just, it's larger than life uh, personalities, and it's like a live-action comic book, absolutely. That's why we're utilizing pro wrestlers. We have Jake Mistake Roberts and Tommy Dreamer and John Morrison and Maria Canellis and 
you know, Shelly Martinez and Sabu and Christopher Daniels and Gangrel and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we have models and pro wrestlers and we have one of the voices of uh, the Buttercup on the Powerpuff Girls. Natalie Palomitas is in it and uh, Trent Haga from Full Moon Movies and stuff. So it's, um, yeah, absolutely. I want it to be fun. I feel like the biggest compliment a movie can have is, would you watch it again? You know, when it's done, would you watch that movie again? And if you wouldn't, I don't think it's a success. So, for example, Guardians of the Galaxy was such a huge hit, you know, uh, last year or the year before. And I must have watched that damn movie, like, four times in the theater and probably, you know, four times on uh, on online. And it's just fun. It's a fun movie. If you run into it playing on HBO, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to stick around and watch it because it's just fun. And uh, so that, that's my goal. My goal as a filmmaker is to make something that people say, ah, that was a blast. Hey, that was fun. Hey. And, uh, and being just disgusting for the sake of disgusting or scary with no reason why it's scary isn't, uh, I don't feel like it succeeds in that. So I'd like to be a little dash of scary, a little dash of action, a little dash of humor. I, I think overall in like a comic booky sensibilities, um, I think does a trick. I, I mean, the world's a, a stressful and, and, and frustrating and scary place to begin with. You, d- you don't need to, you know, make it total, a total bummer of a movie. So these movies, I mean, they're, I mean, I've seen the trauma films, what was the first one I ever saw? It was called Tromeo and Juliet. And that was pretty, that was a classic. You know, right that there. was, you know, that was written by uh, James Gunn, who went on to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? Okay. I'm going to have to see this Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy. I have never seen it before. It's, wait, wait, wait. Come on. It's a Marvel film in space. Really? Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. So I promise you I'm not a film snob. Uh, when, uh-huh. when did this come out? Like two years ago, it was the number oh, okay. one film in the yeah. world. Yeah, I got sorry. I I got it. I got a kid. I'll, I'll blame it on that. I was so busy with this whole like uh, birthing and spawning thing that I I just I missed uh, out on that. I, I'll definitely get on it though because I mean okay. I, I like well, that kind it, of thing. It, it's just a, it, for anybody out there who's listening who's somewhat of a you know a fan of filmmaking and wants to get into film. It, it's a good storyline that. Um, you know, some people poo-poo these smaller independent companies like a, like a, um, trauma. And here's the thing. You can literally watch the trajectory of James Gunn, who did Tromeo and Juliet. He did the Toxic Avenger 4. And right. then he went on to Hollywood and he did Scooby-Doo, Slither, Scooby-Doo 2, and ultimately Guardians of the Frickin' Galaxy. So you can see that, you know, uh, you can't just pass these people off and be like, oh, they're nobodies, they're nothing. They're No, no, no. They, they're working their way up to the big stuff. And that's the way I like to look at, you know, our projects and our, because we don't have a giant studio behind us, but we also, you know, are, are talented. And we, you know, even, I have a two-time Oscar-winning uh, special effects guy working on my movie. He won for The Abyss and Terminator 2. We have Emmy winners, we have Oscar winners and they're they're involved. So it's um so it's interesting about James Gunn. I just I just want to point out that he started in the muck of nothing and worked his way up to, you know, five hundred million dollar movies. I have a special part of my heart for the Tromeo and Juliet and uh I mean I've seen the mystery science theaters, etc. I mean, all this stuff, I love it. So I'm definitely gonna take a look at this. I'm definitely gonna put a link up to the Kickstarter campaign for the uh church movie. Oh great. I also ha- have an admission here, and that's that ever since the beginning, I've been a big um, Powerpuff Girls fan. 
Natalie Palamides is uh, is going to be on on this. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. She and Natalie's awesome. She's a real quirky comedian. And uh, like, for example, we did a show together one time and uh, she did some jokes about um, miscarriage and like losing a baby and all this. And uh, she pushed the envelope and she was doing some risque Andy Kaufman type crazy stuff. And at the end of the night, uh, because I had booked the show, this old lady came up to me and she goes, there are some things you just don't laugh about. There are some things you just don't joke about. And I said, oh, okay, all right. And you know something? A couple of nights later, Natalie was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And then a couple of months later, she gets cast as one of the voices for uh, the Powerpuff Girls. And the thing that old lady didn't understand is that that's what makes you stand out as a comedian. Jokes about socks and cookies put you in a corner with everybody else. And it's like, oh, that was funny, clap, clap, clap. And then you forget about it. But the girl who's outrageous and crazy and giving birth on stage is the one that everyone's like, what the hell? And it makes Hollywood pay attention. That's what it takes to make it to the next level. You've got to be outrageous. And I mean, look at Posh.0 and Amy Schumer. And so that's the, that's the world that we live in now. The safe comedians uh, aren't, aren't in high demand. It's the ones that are outrageous and crazy. So that's what Natalie is. Natalie is absolutely outrageous and nutso and crazy, and it's working for her. My personal life, one way to sort of overcome problems and adversities is to make a joke about it and actually just laugh at it. It's, it's a way to sort of, you know, give the middle finger to things like mortality and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. I looked at your website here. It says, well, first of all, you've got some horror writing as well. You do some oh. writing. So you're an author as well. I, I saw, I think I saw a book, the title, I should have written it down. It was 18 Wheeler or something along those lines. 18 Wheels of Horror just came out on paperback, actually. It was uh, the larger version, and now it's in paperback. It's offered at all these trucker uh, stores all over the United States. So I'm very excited about that one. It's a collection of short stories, all Uh, related to truck driving. And I have a short story in that. And I'm in Hell Comes to Hollywood, too, as well. I have a short story in there. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I've sold short stories. I've sold screenplays. I have not published a full length novel yet, but I, uh, I think I'll be doing that here shortly. So I'm very excited. I actually was reading on the site. It says there's a story about how you had a problem with a teacher. I I don't know which Mm -hmm. one it was like, uh, you were actually, the teacher was concerned about some of your interests in horror. Was that it? Well, it it was a librarian. Um, I, um, I, I would go to this library because I, both, first off, both my parents are convicted felons. So I, I don't know if you knew that. My father was a big uh, drug dealer and my mother, um, <clears throat> she stabbed someone nearly to death. And, uh, and so they met on a bus coming back from prison. You know, you don't get to pick the family you're born into or whatever, but they literally was coming back from prison when they met on a bus. I shouldn't and, laugh. And but... Yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little wacky. I get it. You know, I, I didn't choose it again. So, uh, so yeah, my sister and I was, was raised in, uh, you know, my, my mother ran away from my father at a very young age. I didn't meet him until I was 18. So my whole childhood was, uh, was with this, uh, you know, uh, mixed up. She means well, but she's a little crazy woman. And, uh, yeah, that's why a lot of my emphasis, you know, she, she told us about demons in our bedrooms and all this kind of stuff. So that's why it, you know, it, it lingered with me. And they say comedy comes from a dark place. And like, so it was a messed up, not so great childhood. 
So anyway, I was a little bit warped with with that kind of stuff, and um, and so I would read. I mean, literally, as a um, you know tenth grader, eleventh grader, I would read Stephen King and Dean Koontz and uh, you know really dark and disturbing stuff. And I remember the book I wanted to check out one day was Gerald's Game, and the librarian said, "No, <laughs> you know, kids shouldn't read this." Uh, you know, two people having sex and she smushes his nuts and, you know, and then she's tied to a bed, you know, no, no, absolutely not. No, you're not going to get this. Hold on. Sorry. uh, Sorry. Did the librarian know all this? Um, I, I assume so since she was not letting me check it out. Hmm. She must have read it or something. Yeah, I don't know. But the point is, she said, you cannot rent this out unless you bring your parents down here to say that it's okay for you to read this. And so she thought I have a normal, normal parent, you know, like a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, whatever. And, and they would, of course, be like, oh, I'm all gassed. You should read such, such horrible blah, blah, blah. Well, they didn't realize that my mother served eight years for carving up a dude. So when I went and told my mom, my mom was like, I'll go down there. So, you know, we went to the library and, and my mother came in and she said, he'll rent whatever he wants to read out of here, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and the librarian looked at me and looked at her and said, all right. Well, I just want to tell you that based on everything that your son is reading here, he's either going to end up being a serial killer or a great horror writer someday. And so I think that's, that's great for my bio. I love to tell people that as of today, I haven't killed anyone yet, but I have, you know, done all this horror writing and stuff. <laughs> I don't think we, anybody wants to limit your horror writing because uh, that could be a, you know, an important <laughs> vent or valve. <laughs> right, I'll end up wearing your face as a mask. Right? Yeah, it's like so, it's, don't take away the computer from Tim, or you know, he he might carve you up with a with a pair of scissors or the or the box cutters on his desk. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man! It's wow! A crazy world. Yeah, crazy world. I mean that. I, I it's amazing. It, it really is. I mean, uh, and I honestly do think that comics or comedians probably learn how to that. I mean, that's a coping mechanism for them. It, it's sort yeah. of like I mean, you. I mean, you can either pay a professional a hundred bucks an hour to go sit in a room and yak at them, or or you can uh, you know go into comedy maybe and and be able to like uh, do a therapy session on the stage or with your friends. As far as the, the, the comedy stuff goes, I remember, you know, uh, growing up with, with the family I, I had, I was in this horrible cycle where I needed a car to get a job, but I needed a job to get the money to get the car. And I didn't know what to do. And I was going mad. I was going crazy about it because it was just, it was just horrible. Nobody in my small town would hire me because of my, uh, my mother. And, uh, you know, and so anyway, I, there was this, this place called the country fair. Is that what it's called? I think it was called the country fair. And, uh, I wanted to get a job there and I knew this snooty rich. Can we swear on your podcast? Yeah, go ahead. Snooty rich fuck. And, uh, he came from a snooty rich fuck family and, uh, and they, you know, always turned their nose up. And I went in and I, I lowered myself, humbled myself to fill out an application to work there. And they almost gleefully didn't hire me. And so I still had to go in there occasionally. And one day I remember the mother was in there and, you know, I had such hatred for them because it was like, come on, just just let me, you know, clean your toilets and make a little bit of money so I can get a car and get out of this town. And uh, anyway, I I made her laugh and I made her laugh 
so hard. And I remember walking out of there like it was a victory for me, like, because she couldn't control, she, she would love to be snooty and high and mighty, but she couldn't control the fact that I, I made her, you know, laugh and, uh, and, and it was just a win for me. I remember leaving feeling like, you know, well, ha, at least I did that. And so it's always been a good feeling to be able to, um, yeah, to make people laugh, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I like that. I like it a lot. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We talked about the nudity thing. I'm actually right now in the works putting together a one man show where I perform, uh, I do store long form storytelling in the nude. And, uh, I've always made it so that the audience had to be naked to come see me, uh, for all these other shows. But now I'm thinking of, of not making it that way, but making it a high enough ticket and I perform naked and, and it's just like more of a revealing, honest look at life and the world and not holding back and not pulling any punches and, you know, uh, <clears throat> doing it in the nude because I'm, I'm kind of influenced by Eddie Izzard and, and people like that, where it's, I recently did a show with a transgender um, performer and I was like, well, what the hell? You know, here's this, this guy who was born a dude and he's on stage, you know, with a wig and a dress and makeup and, and he's, you know, being, you know, who he is on stage. And, you know, Eddie Izzard was wearing a dress and outfits and, you know, and all this. So what the hell? I'm a nudist. And it's not like it's going to ruin my future where I'm not going to become president because I was naked on stage. I'm, I'm not going to become president. That's pretty understandable. So it's on my bucket list. I, I want to I wanna do it, and uh, I'm going to do it. So, so that's what I'm working on right now. The way I see it, and maybe I'm just a weirdo, you know, if you're in the room and you're naked, you've got no problems, right? You, you got no problems yeah. at all, right? I'm like, I'm fine with this. Look, I'm naked. Do you see me being uncomfortable? I'm not uncomfortable. What's your problem? I mean, it just shows you who ha is the well-adjusted one there and who's just got issues. I mean, some people might think that, oh, it's so degrading, you know, this person's naked. But there's no, there's no degradation there if the person is naked by choice. I mean, do you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely do, and I like it. I I don't know what the reaction would be from the from the general public, so that's why I'm curious. Um, you know, I, I bite off more than I can chew many times, like I did with naked, like uh, bear with us. I, I don't mind if I if I make it available and there's three people in the audience. Well, I tried, and that's the response. But if I you know if I can sell it out and get extended runs and and people actually give a damn, maybe that'll become my thing. Maybe I'll be the naked comedian. You know, by doing naked shows for nudists, I've kind of insulated myself with an audience that, of course, is going to appreciate what we're doing, um, but it's also limited. So I'd, I'd like to stretch out to more of the public and uh, <clears throat> give them an opportunity to come and, I don't know, think outside the box. So, Tim, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, I'm also going to put on links to uh, your upcoming shows and also to your Kickstarter as well for your amazing new project, Church. Thanks so much, Tim. Oh man, this was this was a blast. It's a you know it's a great podcast, and you're a great interviewer. And like I said, I'm happy to vouch for you to some of my buddies so you can get some uh, some interesting guests on. Well, I hope you like the show. Um, next week, we've got Mike Smith from the Poorly Summarized Podcast. Uh, this podcast is sort of like our uh, brother slash sister slash cousin slash auntie twice removed. 
It truly is uh, a great podcast, and uh, I'm honored to have him on the show. I'm actually going to be on their show in June, so I'm pretty psyched about that. Meanwhile, I'll just let you know that uh, all the music for this episode was done by Chromatics Music. That's K-R-O-M-A-T-I-K-S, and it's used with permission. So thanks so much for listening. Remember to like us on uh, Facebook or leave us a rating on iTunes. It would be fantastic. And uh, can't wait to see you next week. I'm sorry. Hang on one second. My, my landlady's uh, I'm, I'm naked, and my landlady just waved at me through the, through the window. <laughs> needs to borrow some scissors, and so here I am laying naked on my bed. <laughs> I'm like, all right, give me a second. But no, I want to. I want to go into detail about that. Let me just grab her some scissors. Uh, I forgot to ask you if you were naked during the interview. Oh well. Totally was. Totally was. Hey, hon, do you need scissors? Okay. Uh, I can't find but I do have my I do have my knife. I am handing her a butterfly knife. <laughs> Thank you, hon. Appreciate it.